to me, this is one of the truest and most brilliant and innovative expressions of friendship that I in my life have ever experienced or that I'd ever hope to experience. And I think that sadly most of the population perishes without ever experiencing it. Um, it's not just generosity. It's not just holiday spirit. Uh, but go, it taps into a deep, lifelong core of friendship, and I really mean that. Everybody, welcome to Landline Podcast. You're lucky because on today's episode, it's Saul versus Alex, Alex versus Saul, two white men talking about themselves. Featuring a career elitist trying to find a purpose for his life, a Jewish male shopaholic, as if that's news. You're listening to Landline. Landline. Can you hello, he- hello. can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, crystal clear. Well, cheers! Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, sort of maybe the most fun holiday week of the year um, in in non bubonic plague times. I think that Thanksgiving could make a good claim to being my favorite holiday. There's just what's not to like about it. You don't really have to do anything except eat and drink to excess and cook if you like and not cook if you don't like because usually there's three different other people in your household who are happy to pick up that black so yeah as far as i'm concerned it doesn't get any better than thanksgiving you don't get presents so what i i kind of don't mind a presentless holiday that revolves completely around food consumption well you don't have to give presents is uh, is the other side of that coin. So there's not not that we ironically for the subject matter of this podcast, I did give a gift um, on this Thanksgiving, but the we'll get to that. Um, Landline podcast five zero three eight nine four eighty four eighty Australia. Happy Thanksgiving to you. So, but I think that the it's not everyone loves giving gifts. I believe that I believe that there is true joy in giving gifts, but the stress of accumulating them on time and having them arrive prior to the day of the actual opening is it's pretty it's pretty severe at least over here at the phone booth i don't know about for you well i i I try to favor the mentality and i always have that i i like getting gifts when they mean something genuine even if that comes at a spontaneous level instead of like a holiday telling you that you need to do something you know me. I, I generally don't like people telling me I have to do things. And for me, if I'm going to get a gift for someone, I'd rather it be coming from a place of actual, hey, this person might really enjoy this, as opposed to time to go like stock up at the big box shelves because Hallmark told me I need to. Right. Just consumer electronics. We got, just for a perfect example, we got my mother this very afternoon. My, my brother actually picked it up, but I'll just kick in cash a a treadmill desk one of those cool trendy treadmill desks so that she can walk and exercise and yet do her work and there was no real occasion for it tuesday before thanksgiving it's just like hey this might be enjoyed by the person wow and big big i didn't get her a thing on her birthday a month and a half ago and that's totally fine with me because i would not have known what to get at that point all right, well, cheers to treadmill desks. Um, I think I have a Gibson with four cocktail onions in it. What What are you looking down? I do three. 
I mean, for me, I just my mentality has always been that two is too few and four is a crowd when it comes to cocktail onions on a toothpick. I'm actually not using a toothpick, though. I'm using a silver cocktail rapier that I stole from uh, the Monkey Bar in Manhattan. Wow. One of my most valued possessions. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheers mine off the uh, brass sliding mechanism of the phone booth. That didn't really make a good sound. Maybe on the glass. Here, I'll do it on the windowpane glass. There we go. It's good. It sort of sounds like someone's knocking on your door. Mm. Like the uh, Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Raven, knock, knock, knocking on my chamber door. Mm. All right, well, we're here um, hopefully getting this on the Internet Wednesday before Thanksgiving while everyone is winding down their Zoom calls and hopefully transitioning to board games and stock pots and, you know, old movies on TV and a fully stocked, a restocked bar for the COVID surge. Um, obviously, there's a, there's many ironies or dichotomies or hypocritical aspects that we should at least allude to here. Last time everyone heard from you, at least in the long form, not a voicemail on the, on the landline message machine, was um, in a moment of sobriety. And then we did actually hear you check in after you'd had a few Manhattans. And, and now we're having basically what amounts to me cheating on Giles with a cocktail hour with Saul, although that's not what this is. We're just having a Gibson to celebrate the story that we're going to tell on the podcast here. Um, but, I mean, just quickly, I don't think the entire podcast should turn into 38-year-olds battling with alcohol. But um, do you have any comments of sort of the uh, transition out of that um, – to use the word rapier again, rapier wit um, time that you had um, over the uh, the month long of sobriety and now transitioning to just a full glass of gin seasoned with salty onions? I mean, I, I look back on my sober October the way, you know, an 85-year-old grandparent probably looks back on the summer that they were like 16 years old living on Lake Lugano, just with infinite nostalgia. And do you think you'll ever get back? Yeah, I mean, look, like, I've taken three sips off of Gibson, and I feel three times better than I did ten minutes ago, so I'm not going to pretend that alcohol does nothing. I will say that when I open my eyes in the morning, there's a 900% greater chance of me getting up, going for a run, feeling like a million bucks if I don't go near this stuff. It's a, it's a simple fact, and I'm old enough to admit it. So I think that at this point, life is going to have to become a constant seesawing of abstinence and embracing. And perhaps that should be even week by week, maybe month by month, maybe ultimately the kind of holy grail year by year. Mm. So um, just a couple more little Gibson tidbits here the yeah i mean i could do a full hour on gibson well so i don't know if you've watched the queen's gambit on netflix and i i really am loath to mention netflix unless i'm podcasting with gabe and making fun of him but just you know long story short in order to connect with you know the 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 outside world here because I know they're going to be thinking this, Gibsons are like the mother's drink of choice. Now, it's the worst thing. It's one of the things that you and I have had as a sort of glue to our friendship for decades. We really don't like when something we came up with first starts going mainstream. So like Super 8 film, um, you know, having somebody Super 8 your wedding is now like something you can order online. Well, I, I was doing that 15 years ago for friends just out of the goodness of my heart and out of a random weird art project. Um, and, and also hanging a, you know, white bed sheet off a wall to watch that footage. Right. So, so Gibsons are something that like we feel in some perverse way we discovered um, at, you know, age 22, because it was like the more bizarre version of a glass full of gin. But um, in in the show, she really says she prefers Gibson's to martinis. And 
I do too. Is is the end of that story? Um, well, this is fascinating. I, I had no idea, first of all, that they had even achieved such a measure of popular acclaim. It's just that they, it's it's almost like a nice, bright citrus taste. That martinis are great, but I feel as if they become a bit redundant. Whereas a cocktail onions juice really covers up the taste of gin. It's just like mainlining gin is really what the gives. When I drink them, I, I sort of feel that I'm drinking some kind of like a refreshing tropical punch almost. It's 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 a delicious drink. Um, so so the Gibson, I feel like may be the cocktail of the season. I mean, if there's ever been a time to just drink ice cold gin masked by a salty, like briny miniature onion that was, you know, bred in Holland and is still being imported by the Mazetta company. They're not even grown in the USA. If it, if you're ever going to go whole ho- whole hog with your alcohol intake, it's now. It's it's the bubonic plague 2020. So. I feel like everybody should figure out how to fashion themselves a Gibson. All they really need is gin, ice, and a uh, a, a, gl- a glass jar of cocktail onions. And where do these? I mean, these onions themselves are fascinating. These, I mean, they're sturdy, they're durable, right? I, I just found a giant jar of them that has probably been alive longer than I have. Uh, they go everywhere. And it turns out that there are immigrants on top of everything. What's not to like about that? So, quick Thanksgiving-related story, and I know these people are actually listeners, but um, some family relations, cousins and and their kin. Um, there was a Thanksgiving a few years ago where Anna and I lived in a house that was built in the 1600s. In the 16, I think it was the 1690s, but she might correct me and say it was earlier. So it was called the Brown House in Watertown, Massachusetts. Brown House. Yeah. Great house. Great house. The, you know, the shortest ceilings you've ever seen. Half of it was a museum. Half of it had been retrofitted with, like, a stall shower and some, like, 1950s radiators so that we could take care of it so the museum part wouldn't um, burn down. And in no way was this luxurious. So, anyways, we decided— yeah, But just, just to interject, I, I do think there's a certain beauty in the fact that you literally lived in a museum and were not really supposed to go or spend time in certain of the rooms. I, I think that's one of the most fantastic— so it was very fun. We we podcasted from there, and um, that's the f- famous place where at one night um, we awoke in our bed to toilet water from the third floor bathroom dripping onto our foreheads in in the master master bedroom, if you could have called it that. So, um, which any- is ironic, but that's probably why people didn't have plumbing at a certain point. Well, it's certainly they didn't have plumbing. They certainly didn't install plumbing above where they slept. I mean, could there be a stupider idea? So. Um, so anyways, we decided we knew we would be there for two years because we were just there for me to go to grad school. And the second year, we had an extended family Thanksgiving of between 16 and 20 people in this house that, you know, was basically from the Thanksgiving era. So it was pretty cool, you know, in the state where Thanksgiving originally happened. So um, blah, 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 the big dish that is very loved in my family for reasons I don't really know because I think it's kind of gross is and I love everything are creamed onions which are tiny little pearl onions that are basically poached I think or boiled and then put into a traditional you know white sauce a bechamel or some sort of cream sauce that's just butter flour and um, you know pepper and salt and maybe some chicken stock or something like that so the creamed onions had been prepared beforehand and then left on the counter at whoever's house it was who was supposed to bring them and so we had no creamed onions and the creamed onions are like the family item that everybody talks about as sort of a tradition so there was a bunch of texting that happened and ultimately my cousin's husband was tasked with getting more onions and my mom I think was going to make the creamed onions from scratch before the big event, and I, you know, and and that would be something that was cooked in the kitchen along with the the few items that I was cooking. And I think I rotisseried the the turkey on a grill that year. So, blah blah blah. When he showed up, because he's not a huge cook, and and you know, not everybody is. He showed up with several jars of cocktail onions in brine to make to, to, to make 
the creamed onions and um, we made them anyways. And they were basically like Gibson creamed onions. Um, and I think sort of delicious anyways. So a little uh, story from Thanksgiving's gone by where we were actually allowed to see each other and, you know, all come together as one. I mean, that sounds like that's an incredible story. That sounds like, you know, you were setting out to, you know, do some like, you know, boring cellular biology and accidentally invented penicillin or something. Was it delicious? It was it was good. I mean, it was it, it was edible. It got a lot of laughs, which I think I feel like is what Thanksgiving's all about. Landline. You have 13 new messages, 27 saved messages. Main menu. To listen to your messages, press 1. To send a message, first voice message. Hi, this is Saul calling to talk to the McKay phone booth. Uh, I'm not sure I'm crazy about the fact that your newest episode dropped today, November Purge, is 129 minutes with Max, longer than mine, substantially longer, relaying back to the October 30th episode. So please call me back to explain at your earliest convenience. End of message. To erase this message, press 7. To save it, press 9. To mark this message as unread, press 9. Message marked as unread. Next voice message. Hey, Landline. It's the Libertarian Constitutionalist calling. I hope you guys are doing great. Just listened to your very informative episode with Saul. I think it was alcoholism in the time of uh, elections. That was great. I hope everyone's well. I hope Saul found what he was looking for there in the great outdoors. Um, hope you guys are great and um, a lot of informative information. Let's catch up soon. Um, yeah, keep it going, dude. Sounds good. Love you guys. End of message. Landline. Let's 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 transition into you know the main reason why we're talking today. So. Um, tell us the story. You went to the butcher shop yesterday. I mean, you're, I'll just give you a couple of, of primers, vegetarian COVID-19 and Thanksgiving without your family for the first time in probably 30 years. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, one of the reasons why I quit the last job I ever had many years ago was specifically because I never wanted to ask a boss for permission to fly to the East Coast to spend two weeks with my family over the Thanksgiving break. And I've enjoyed that luxury ever since. So this year we don't have to, you know, get into the whys because they should be pretty obvious, I think, to anyone with a pulse, but it did not seem to be the year of the airplane. Although, to look at Chicago hair footage, several million people disagree with me. But anyway, so I'm in California, um, and a turkey seemed overly, uh, you know, significant given this situation. There's myself, there's my girlfriend, a vegetarian, and three cats whose taste for white meat is certainly not... Uh, non-existent, but at the same time, each of them probably weighs about a third of a turkey. So I don't think they could do that much damage. So long story short, I just I decided on a duck. That's kind of the obvious conclusion one would draw. I don't think you could really reach any other conclusion. So I have a butcher shop picked out. Obviously, I missed their, you know, reserve your fowl deadline. Um, but they say the woman, I talked to this lady there, and she says, we open at 10 a.m. This is uh, yesterday. She recommends strongly that I be there at 10 to reserve a fowl. So obviously life gets in the way of my aspirations, and I reach them at about noon 30. Now this is this, thinking, this is a neighborhood butcher shop, right? Like you're are you walking? Like I mean, how landline is the experience that you're trying to get? It's Thanksgiving. You're away from your family. There's a little bit of relief of being able to kind of be the captain of your own ship without any other input. So you, you find the local butcher shop and then, like, you know, 
what's going you you want to saunter down at noon you think it's going to be like a festive experience or is it is it a brick and mortar location is everything through ipads oh, yeah, it's brick and, it's, yeah, brick, brick, brick and mortar uh completely local sustainable everything they stock comes from you know within 150 miles is a mainstay of berkeley fantastic place um and i i thought what better way to you know locomote myself over than on my four screen british motorcycle mm. so i showed up in style i was i was ready i was ready to go and i was planning on putting one duck in one of my saddle bags and then just buying various sundries to put in the other saddle bag to kind of balance things out on a literal level so i got a sinking feeling probably a block and a half from the butcher shop because I saw some people sort of standing in a way that they shouldn't have been standing. They were kind of not moving. Um, and it's not a, really a place where people tend to loiter. And then my heart plummeted further as I advanced up the block and realized that the people were standing in line. And there's still that moment where you think, you know, maybe it's another line. Right? It's probably the feeling that Trump had when he like lost Arizona and thought, hey, this, this could be something else. So I go up the block and I'm thinking maybe they're at a bank. There's a supermarket right here. Maybe they're trying to get you know, you know, lunch at the cheese board. There's any number of possibilities. But deep down, I knew the truth. I was completely fucked, if you'll excuse that language. And there was a 40-person line extending outwards from the Berkeley Butcher Shop. Ooh. So, and this is what? This is Saturday before? Like, where, like, there's a schedule to Thanksgiving. Like, you're an asshole if you're in the grocery store on Wednesday. But what day are we talking here? I mean, this is days ago, and it's only Tuesday night. Yeah. I mean, there was the, the smart move would have been to reserve ahead of time. But I missed it, and so all of these other... Poor saps like me also missed it, but the difference was that they scrambled out there a little bit earlier. Now, so my, was my this heart Saturday? Was Friday, Saturday? What day are we talking here? This was Friday. 100% this was Friday. Wow, six days early. And is everybody in a mask just scowling at you as you like have eyes that look like maybe there's some way you could cut? Well, the beauty about people wearing masks is that they can scowl for all they're worth and you just don't know they're scowling. Mm. They could have been smiling year to year as far as I was concerned. And the beauty about being on a motorcycle, especially a handsome forest green British one, is that you're wearing a helmet and no one can really see you scowling at them either, which I was. So we obviously hated each other. Everyone in the line hated everyone else in the line. Everyone in the line probably hated me. I hated them. Everyone hated the fact that they hadn't reserved their ducks ahead of time. And the butcher shop was probably doing just fine. So, there so, was a lot of, you know, there's probably a lot of self-loathing. I don't want to kill your momentum, but we just have to do one aside here. And, and Mom, if you're listening, just turn, turn the radio down. So, so Saul, like, I mean, I, would, I don't want to, like, speak put words in your mouth, but I think I can safely say that at least, you know, 30% of the fantasies, we romantic fantasies we share, um, and these are just the ones we share, we also have our own romantic fantasies, revolve around picking a pretty girl up in line at the local sustainable butcher shop before Thanksgiving, you know, when obviously when we're single in our late 20s sort of moping about, you know, knowing that nothing's really working out with, uh, you know, ladies we meet at bars or dates or whatever. Like, maybe that's it. Maybe everyone's, like, feeling open and loving because they're home. And maybe you run into somebody you went to high school with. Or maybe you reconnect with somebody that you, you know, were in French camp with in eighth grade or whatever it is. Or you just, everyone's, like, feeling giving and you have to wait in a 45-minute line to pick up a pasture-raised turkey. And maybe there's somebody with a, you know a nice flannel scarf that decides to write her number down and give it to you. And like, imagine being those people at that age group at this time of their life and having COVID just like be the biggest, just 
thunderstorm, hurricane, not even like 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 solar tornado on that fantasy. Like and by the way, it never worked out for me and it never happened and it's not like I missed out on anything having that fantasy, but not even being able to like sit in the line and spend 45 minutes fantasizing about that. What a disappointment. Crushing. Crushing. I mean, really. I'm ser- I'm serious, right? Like that's a whole part of being 26 and going down for you and your three roommates to pick up all of the stuff at the butcher shop and like not being able to strike up a conversation with somebody because of the mask. The, the mask, absolutely. I, I, I think it's, I mean, if you want to talk about a generation destroyed, this, this is why. The only consolation, I guess, is that these days, if you're 26, you probably, you know, blush crimson if you have to do anything but text someone. And so maybe all of this is wasted on them. Or do I sound uncharitable? No, I mean, it's true. You're right. But I think that that's the whole point. Like, there's got to be somebody who's 10 years younger than us that thinks the same way that we do, which is, like, it would be so nice to be able to not be on Bumble or get set up by a friend or whatever and just, like, have, like, an organic spark where you think somebody's attractive and they think you're attractive and they say something funny that breaks the ice. I mean, there's something pretty attractive about somebody actually, like, getting up the gall to talk to you in a place like that and maybe that's actually what starts the spark that gets people to start like taking a chance on each other is that they actually like cross or, over that imaginary or line you think they're, or you think they're attractive and they don't think you're attractive and then you say something funny and they overlook what they thought so i just i feel for the people who have the guard up who are single and i don't know i don't know what you I mean, this is, yeah, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do there. I guess you probably just say fuck it and go to a party and meet somebody and, and don't wear your mask because, like, you're 26 and you're not going to die from COVID-19 anyways. But I agree with you. And, look, for, for years, I mean, the thought of being a, you know, a, a burly, bearded stranger pulling up on a motorcycle to fill his saddlebags with sustainable duck. I would have thought, frankly, would have gotten me kind of far in life. Remember how much time we used to spend sitting around our apartment in New York City talking about, like, train girl or library girl or or whoever they were? Like, somebody that you got a smile from in a public place that you didn't know from the Internet and you didn't, you know, you weren't able to text and it was just, like, still a world where people thought that that could go someplace? A smile, a kind word, a glimmer in the eye. These were the things that we lived for day to day. Meanwhile, my wife's getting glared at from people passing by in cars in her neighborhood because she's not wearing a mask when she's walking the dog. So it's a whole nother discussion. All right. So, all right. So, so sorry. I thought that that was a pretty, that's like a pretty landline moment. I mean, we can, we can. Five zero three eight nine four eighty four eighty landline podcast. You know we we could we could do a whole episode on that too. So um, and we should. Um, we can dig up some old emails and write them. But I I, I just think about like a sixty three year old sixty three year old sixty three degree Berkeley day in the fall with a mix of like grad students who are not going home with people who came home to see their parents with people who are living there as young professionals standing in line to pick up their sustainable duck and that that's sexy it's a sexy scene that the mask is like it's a sexy scene. It, and and the mask is just killing it and and if you can't if you don't have that to live for i mean what is there as far as i'm concerned okay so so and it's a it's a mask and it's everything about that right it's it's a kind of inherent you know feeling that like it or not you can't fully trust the people around you because they might send you to the hospital with a simple sneeze I mean, you certainly can't go to their apartment and have sex with them an hour and a half later because of COVID. Like, if you have to wear a mask on the street at the butcher shop, then, I mean, there's no hope. There's no hope of a spark turning into a fire. So, um, okay. Okay, so so let's get back on track here. You're, you're, um, I think we're perfectly on track. Yeah, you're right. We are. So, so you pull up, do you park? Do you even park the motorcycle? No, never even, never even parked. Never, never even parked it. 
Wow. That... I saw. I mean, I, I saw what was happening. I mean, I, I read my own fate in the cards I was handed. That's mature. So, that's maturity right there. I, that, that's your 30s. I cruised. I, I, I crept to a crawl, and my heart was stammering at the same time as, you know, the the motorcycle itself, right? The, the It's lifeblood. The, the gasoline flowing through its arteries, so to speak, its veins, um, seemed on the verge of stalling out. Uh, maybe because my hand was quivering with agitation on the throttle. Motorcycle and I were in unison, and yet the unison was not conjoined and shared by our butcher shop. So I, I crept along the line on two wheels, just, you know, peeking through my helmet at these masked, unhappy strangers. Although I will say that the happiness exponentially increased the closer they got to the door. So that the fellow about to step inside had a stupid grin across his broad and jolly face. And yet here I was, and I reached the corner of Shattuck, and with a last sad look to the butcher shop, I sped away. I realized that there was no duck that day. Wow. Now, before I want, I want to know your next steps, obviously, but do you think there was just a, like a, a transportable meat locker in the back with all those dead carcasses? Cause you know, do they have the storage there to, to have enough dead birds, dead avian species to meet that demand? If that was keeping up for the Well, they, they, they emphasize first come first serve. And I actually, I, after disregarding the instructions to arrive at 10 a.m. when they opened, I called on my way over there 15 minutes ahead, and she said, you should come by, but, you know, they're going fast, and we have a limited supply. What I realized when I showed up was that the woman who answered the phone being inside had no knowledge of the line that was steadily creeping around the block. Wow. There are a few scenarios where being a pushy Jew doesn't get you any further, but it sounds like this was one of them. This this was a moment where I mean I've I've look in my in my life I've done done plenty of things to get me places that I wasn't supposed to be, but this was a moment where it was a kind of hopeless situation. Everyone in that line wanted their duck just as badly as I did. Right there was literally no person would be willing to accept any kind of monetary bribe. Um, frankly, I would have traded the fedora on my head for a duck, but I don't think anyone there would have taken it. So before we get into the resolution here, um, and we're teasing it well, Landline Podcast, 503-948-480, call and leave a message. Tell us about your Thanksgiving plans. Call on Thanksgiving. Let's have a Thanksgiving potpourri. We'll all say happy Thanksgiving. Call the landline. I'll set up the recorder and we'll just do five minute spots. Tell us about your pickled cream onions. So, um, so Saul, sort of what, what was the, you know, if you could consolidate your overall thoughts going back to the house and then what was the plan then? Like, what did you do? You were just, you didn't want, you didn't want to go to like Safeway and get a Jenny O turkey. You were just done. Plan B. This this was it. There's no Plan B. And my only consolation when I was leaving was thinking, well, this goddamn shitty year and this goddamn shitty holiday has gone so badly in terms of just the general unfestiveness of everything that maybe it's just sort of perfect, you know, icing on a foully cake that. I don't get a duck either, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have any mitigating speck of joy in this whole week, right? Maybe, maybe it fits the the tempo of the universe that I just get nothing at all, and it should be as bad as possible. And I was actually kind of glumly and gloomily resigned to that as I was riding back. I thought, you know what? I can't be near family. I can't travel the way I want. We can't invite friends over. There's very little. So, like, why should I even enjoy a simple duck? Maybe nothing at all should happen, right? And what was your main course going to be? Like, what was your pathetic excuse for a duck? There is no plan B. Uh, The main course would have been stuffing and mashed potatoes, probably. 
I think probably a lot of Americans would be happy with that. But with no further ado, probably more than a few cocktail onions. So, so yeah, to 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 set the scene, I will say that at the moment that I arrived home, which happened to be the moment that we began our communication, I will say that my spirits were about as low as you could ask for. I mean, I I was in a a fairly unimpressive mindset. Landline. Next voice message. Hey, Landline, it's the Libertarian Constitutionalist calling. I hope you're well. I'm out here in the woods working and catching up on Landline. Everything's great. It's great to hear from all the hokey cast of characters you bring to the show. Love everybody. Hope everyone's well. And um, being somebody who did visit you at the COVID Lodge, um, which... I will name as the Federal Lake Lodge. Um, you know, it doesn't surprise me that we were treated that way because, honestly, I think that's just the way Oregon has become. And uh, the COVID mask thing, it's just more of it. Just imagine everybody who's got their masks on and 50 milligrams of THC in their bloodstream. They're just in their own heads, and uh, they're not even interacting with the rest of the world in front of them. Uh, so, yeah, it's nothing new, man. It's just the way that people are here. Uh, it definitely is not a personal thing against you. It's just the way that Oregon is. Um, I had a great time with you. The cake was amazing. Uh, we can't neglect the fact that that was one of the coolest looking cakes uh, you're going to get from a raise anywhere. And uh, I know LBJ and Heather and the boys all had a good time. So um, hope you guys are well. Love you. And it was super windy out there. It would not have been a fun canoe ride. Uh, love you guys. Goodbye. Landline. So enter me, your your uh, your friend in in the culinary arts and the the importance of celebrating a, a holiday with with festivity and festivus. <laughs> That's the Gibson talking. So so I spent my Saturday driving to Chehalis, Washington, which is a strip strip mall of a town, sort of at the start of the Olympic Peninsula, the southwestern part of the Olympic Peninsula on I-5, about an hour and 20 minutes from Portland and probably an hour and a half south of Seattle. Um, Driving first through dense fog, followed by breaking clouds and then full sun um, through, you know, uh, parts of of the forest and rivers and bridges over... um, you know, all kinds of different things. So I don't know. That was a terrible description. But anyways, I, I was meeting a local pastured livestock farmer. So I think here's a landline lesson for all all the listeners. And there probably should be a sound effect for landline lessons. Um, so enter that sound effect in your mind here. You want to have a local entrepreneurial farmer in your world you just it's just a it's good it's a good idea like if you if you're if you're an omnivore if you're eating meat and you have any sort of anxiety about consumption of the meat the humane treatment of animals the environmental impact of their consumption or their farting or whatever it is whatever your anxiety around meat is and there's a lot of anxiety around meat then you just all you need to do is just find a farmer at either the farmer's market or honestly through google.com, which you might have heard heard of, and they're all willing to sell you direct-to-consumer, freshly butchered, pastured meat that was had a great life. And this farmer, I actually got to go to his farm, two farmers who worked together in slaughter at one farm. I got to go to both their farms this summer for work, which I won't dive into, but they have cows, ducks, chickens, pigs, um, and I think lamb, too, all just living in way too much space on beautiful green grass with wetlands and riverside areas that have spawning salmon in them um, and animals just living the life. The best example is the pigs just living under a canopy of natural trees rooting around for their own food and eating some, you know, food that's provided for them, living a totally natural life in the landscape before their heads are cut off and they're turned into pork chops, which I now have about 10 pounds of of in my freezer. So the big plan for me was getting ducks because 
I don't really ever remember honestly buying a duck. And so you're going through your duck experience and I'm going through mine. And I actually bought five ducks, 40 pounds of ground beef, 10 pounds of pork chops and five pounds of ground pork met the farmer in the Home Depot parking lot in Chehalis with his box truck. He was, box truck. He was doing his Thanksgiving order deliveries um, in the neighborhood and just unloaded and wrote him a few checks, one for his friend and one for him, and and drove home with deeply frozen ducks, a, a, amongst other things, and planned to have them in the freezer for the, the entire winter until you told me that story. And so this morning I went to FedEx, went into the FedEx store, got a. And I just, I just have to, just to tease this out, I, I have to say that this is shaping up as kind of one of the historic coincidences of the 21st century. I mean, this, this is a big moment that, that my search for duck and your search for duck were taking place simultaneously hundreds of miles away across two different states and two different landscapes, obviously with two different levels of success, but with the same motivations. I mean, this is, these, these types of coincidences do not grow on trees. And, you know, if you ever need to figure out where to get duck, just call the landline 503-894-8480. And I'll tell you, cause I always know where there's duck. I always know how to find meat. And this is also, I mean, to bring it to some sense of reality, this is the the story we should all be learning during COVID. Like if you want food security, if you want to be able to provide for yourself at the dinner table, in the kitchen, entertainment for yourself, you know, continue traditions or start new ones. If you want to have fun in a world where you're not allowed to go outside of your house without fear of never meeting anyone at the butcher shop, then you need to find a duck farmer and I can help you with that. So, so you told me that you needed ducks. I told you I had them and I told you I was shipping one, you one. So this morning I took, I mean, it, was, it was even just to say it was even better than that. I didn't tell you I needed duck. I just told you that due to a tragic and unforeseen turn of events, I'd been unable to get duck. It was duckless and had given up. There's, there's no hope. I, I wasn't calling saying, Alex, I'm going to go bankrupt if you don't bail me out. There's just, there's no hope in my mind. So Your ducks arrived like mana from the heavens during the 40 days in the desert. So I, I was convinced in my own mind to send you a duck because I thought there couldn't be anything more festive and giving at this time where we should all be helping each other than, than figuring out how to send you a a deeply frozen duck. There's some there's some sort of industry term for things that have been frozen like in like an industrial freezer in a rock hard. So is, uh, is it word miracle? <laughs> so I went to FedEx. I was pretty scared. I was honestly scared that they would find out. Like you, you know, it, it felt like I was sending drugs or, you know, a bomb or something. I didn't want them to find out. So I went in into the into right, like what if what if your duck had, had a you know a murder hornet larva that suddenly, you know, destroyed the state of California's ecology. And it, it seems like it seems like something was illegal about what was True. Oh, there were definitely at least I would say there are three illegal things and they're all stupid rules, but you're right. The 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 when you drive into the state of California you have to go through a you know a, a bank of toll booths that's actually checking if you brought any fruit from out of state. So I agree with you. So so I went in and I got a box that I thought would fit the duck and held it up to the guy who was dealing with somebody else and said, hey, I'm going to just go pack up in the car and bring this back because I had to pay for the box and went back to the car and I had newspaper, a, a sort of a, a giant plastic bag that toilet paper rolls had come in that we save plastic bags at our house, which is a whole nother podcast topic. So I wrapped the duck in plastic bag. I then wrapped it in a reusable tote bag because we have 500 of them. That's another podcast topic. Don't print any more reusable tote bags, China. We have enough. Like we'll just keep using the ones we've got and trading and getting them at Goodwill. And then I stuffed the box with newspaper. All of this in my minivan, like really, you know, secretly so that no one could see it because I didn't want anyone to see what I was doing. I had brought my own roll of, um, of packing tape on one of those like cutter plastic rolls from the utility closet that I had had to search for. I think, 
think it took me about 15 minutes to find that. I wrapped it all up so that there was no chance that the guy was going to say, what's in this? Or let's tape this up or let's see. And put it on the scale and, and you know, gave my new uh, real ID, government-issued real ID, which can get me to fly once COVID is over. And, you know, probably... Put- just a side note, if, if you don't, if you want to know where you got that ID, I listened to a landline episode, like whatever the number is from mid-August. Yeah, exactly. Failing my driver's test. And uh, I sent you a duck. And all I'm going to say, because it's a gift, is that the cost of shipping you a duck overnight was five times the cost of the duck. So um, I'm not asking. I don't, for... I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. I don't doubt that for a second. So I bef- mean, I didn't even know FedEx was like geared towards, towards sending ducks. I mean, it's such a high-tech solution to such a sort of local uh, issue of immediacy. And I feel, I feel so empowered. Like, I, I kind of want everybody to start shipping each other stupid stuff this holiday season. Like, forget about getting people the, like, Facebook portal and having it shipped through Amazon or buying them the new version of the that Amazon thing that listens to you, the Echo or whatever. Like, everybody should, like, get their jams and pickles wrapped up in newspaper and send them. And, like, it was so powerful to be able to say, like, my friend in California – 900 miles south of me needs a bird for his Thanksgiving meal and I can find one in my freezer and wrap it up in newspaper and reusable tote bags and ship it to him and it's they're going to charge me an exorbitant amount of money to get it there but like it's going to get there and, and what a bizarre what a bizarre and like fascinating um aligning of the stars of of the sciences physics chemistry biology that a frozen duck will just thaw on its journey until reaching California and by that point be ready for the oven and how and how like there's no measure of the happiness that duck is going to bring both of us versus some sort of you know pair of new noise canceling headphones that people are shipping all around the world like this is where shipping actually should be used to get people like an emergency duck overnight this is this is exactly why the logistics People should have gone into business in the first place, not to sell like single use shit made from plastic, you know, manufactured in Asia. So this is this is why FedEx exists. FedEx shouldn't exist so that, you know, your law office can ship an overnight portfolio of annoying documents to some office in New York by tomorrow and make sure that they arrive on time. It's this this to me is a raison d'etre of. FedEx's existence. It exists so that a dear friend can send his other dear friend a duck south by a thousand miles. And I do want to add something. I do really want to add that to me this is one of the truest and most brilliant and innovative expressions of friendship that I in my life have ever experienced or that I'd ever hope to experience. And I think that sadly most of the population perishes without ever experiencing it. Um, it's not just generosity. It's not just holiday spirit. Uh, but go, it taps into a deep, lifelong core of friendship, and I really mean that. And I think that if one were to talk about friend-goat moves, right? Like, if you're going to talk about, and just to be clear, since we're talking about goats, I, or ducks, I do mean goat as an acronym in this case. But if you're talking about the greatest of all time moves that friends can make to increase the happiness and joy in each other's lives, I think this is easily on the, the Mount Rushmore. It's very difficult, very difficult for me to think of situations that can compare to this, let alone top it. And I'm deeply grateful. Wow, two sports radio references, Goat and Mount Rushmore in one segment. I love that, Saul. Well, you're welcome. Let's see if the goat, the goat, let's see if the duck arrives before we sing my praises. I, I checked on its status. You know, there's, there are websites I like on the internet, just like everybody else. One of my favorite is the FedEx tracking website. So um, it it really didn't give very many details, but... I think that it's probably on one of those trucks where they hook up two trailers to one truck and just they're like, how could we get more stuff on this truck? They're like, just hook up another truck to it. 
and then they just drive it straight down the I-5. And I checked the weather in Portland, where it's around 46 and raining right now. I checked it at Mount Shasta, where it's a little bit colder, but it's supposed to be clear, although there is chance for snow, so that duck might have to get its snow chains on, depending on if there's any sort of trouble at the pass. And then I looked in Corning, California, which is the olive capital of the world. When you come down off the Mount Shasta Pass on I-5, down into the flat agrarian, you know, um, olive and onion and garlic growing region of California, Corning is kind of a big town where the olive pit is. Um, And it looks like it's about 56 there, and it's 56 in Oakland. So I think that the duck's going to be probably still frozen inside and potentially, you know, like perfect for cooking. But it is, I did pay an extra six bucks to get it to you by noon. So I feel like it's going to be in good shape. It shouldn't be too warm in the truck. And uh, now there is one, one little note, and I do have someone else waiting to podcast. So it's a good day at Landline when you have to kick off one guest for another. But um, the duck is the runt of my litter. So I knew that you were eating with a vegetarian. And, you know, I was willing to spare a duck, but it wasn't going to be my plumpest one. So um, the duck is not above three pounds, but I feel like you could probably just eat it all in one sitting. Yeah, I mean, you didn't need to tell me that, but now that you have, okay. <laughs> I did need to. I needed, I needed to make sure that you didn't think I was as good of a friend said, as you your... You could have said you sent me an average-sized duck from your flock of ducks. No, I needed I needed you to know that I, I I picked the smallest one so that I could just draw you back from thinking that's, I'm that's, such a that's good fine, friend. Because oftentimes the run turns out to be the tastiest because they're the weakest. So the last thing we'll say, and then we'll do. We'll... And, I, and in my mind's eye, you can talk about refrigerated truck checkpoints all you want, but in my mind's eye, that duck is flapping steadily southwards to me, mm. and. I picture him or her, them, to get their pronouns right, um, just steadily flapping along over the course of a day until landing on Adeline Street in Oakland. And to me, that's a journey worth feeling some pride for. Okay, well, we're going to check in tomorrow and do part two. But um, in five minutes, do you have a plan for the duck? I've been thinking about it. So I've been, you know, ducks are one of those things where you, you, you order them whenever you see them, but you don't seem to sort of, at least in my experience, you don't cook them enough to like have a, like if it, if it was a roast chicken or even a turkey or frankly, perhaps even a pheasant, let alone quail, I eat quail by the bushel. But to me, a duck isn't something that sort of, you know, comes with a built-in game plan. Now, I think that you can do a pretty good job by just applying some, um, maybe a little soy sauce, some fresh herbs, dash of citrus, maybe, you know, a touch of orange or lemon, a uh, little oil, plenty of butter, and sending them right into the oven. I would love to hear your thoughts on that, and to me, there's something rather uh, titillating about the two of us uh, applying the same procedures to our ducks even if I do have the runt and you have the grunt. Well, I'm a traditionalist. I think if anything, Landline Podcast knows that. So it it may come as a surprise that I am actually choosing to go completely outside of the, um, you know, the traditional white supremacist dinner Thanksgiving (laughs) of, of squash and, um, you know, green beans and mashed potatoes and gravy and, and turkey. I'm not taking I, I know that flavor po- profile. Well, I know the garlic. I know the rosemary, you know, the salt, the pepper, the butter, um, you know, the chicken stock or turkey stock. Like, I get it. I know the flour. I'm there. I understand that. It's a delicious meal. I, I have some problems with how similar it all is. Um and I had plans for to kind of mix it up this year anyways. But so given that there's no one coming over with expectations, the Thanksgiving meal is just the four of us. Um, and the, you know, it's it, my kids are too young to care or eat anything I cook for them other than pasta. I'm just going full on 
Asian duck. Now, I think I'm mixing metaphors because I'm going to do like, I think I'm going to try a Peking duck recipe because it is a Peking duck. And um, as you'll see on the label when it arrives successfully. And um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to make steam buns. And then I have already pickled cucumbers that somebody at the farmer's market grows in a hothouse. And I have started to make kimchi, which brings some Korean into the mix. Um, and, and then um, there's going to be a big pile of rice because my kids will eat that. But I'm hoping to have like sort of Peking duck sandwiches and I'm going to make hoisin sauce from scratch. So I'm going like full on Asian duck. And but to your point around what are we supposed to do? All I've read from the joy of cooking thus far is that basically you really want to deal with the duck fat. That ducks are very fatty birds. You're supposed to roast them on a roasting pan above on a rack above a roasting pan and have all the duck fat render off, which is why, as my mom informed me, and you probably know that schmaltz is not chicken fat, it's normally duck fat. So a lot of Jewish cooking has duck fat in it. Um, so really, if we were playing this right, we would touch base again on Hanukkah, and we'd both be cooking our latkes in duck fat um, from our th from our Thanksgiving duck. So, but I think that you're brilliant. But but I do think that what you're talking about here is right. Like you just you're supposed to prick them with a fork to help the fat render out. And I do think you're just roasting them in a hot oven with seasoning. And, you know, if you know how to cook a bird, you're going to be fine. Um, but I, I do think, and I meant to get the joy of cooking to read it out loud because there's nothing more landline than the joy of cooking, but I forgot it, so I'll skip it. Um, so for next time. But, yeah, I mean, I'm going to make sure I do some do some looking. And, and knowing that there's no people to entertain, I really am going to concentrate on cooking the duck properly and, and serving it with steam buns and, and pickles and kimchi and hoisin. It doesn't really matter if it's hot. So... I might get the job done while my kids are napping and then, you know, serve it at around five o'clock. Now, I, I truly do think, all jokes aside, that you need to find some way of getting an actual dim sum card in your kitchen. And perhaps radical as the idea sounds, finding someone to push it for you. But at the very least, setting it up. Well, I already have a phone booth. You're creating, you're creating the 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 vibe and the, the mentality of a true sort of, you know, palatial atmosphere. I mean, roast duck is, as we all know, um, the creme de la creme. I mean, it's the um, the caviar of the Far East. Okay, well, why don't we check in tomorrow after you do some recipe research and. Um... We'll play that episode on Thanksgiving, and we'll play this one as people are driving around, waiting in lines, wearing their masks, going to the liquor store, figuring out what movies to watch, and uh, and we'll just go from there. Call me when the duck arrives. I'll call you when the duck arrives. I'm going to dial your phone booth. Okay, thanks for calling, and we'll talk, we'll talk soon. To be continued. Yeah. And enjoy your next guest. Your night is not done by any means. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.
Everyone's pulling at you My working days are through Festival Festival.